Hey, and welcome to another episode of Fast Forward, a podcast from QSR Magazine, where we talk to the founders, innovators, and entrepreneurs behind some of the world's most exciting fast casual restaurant concepts. My name is Sam Okus. I'm the editor of QSR and the editorial director of Food News Media. On today's episode, we are continuing with our new Freeze Frame series, specifically with our conversations from the recent National Restaurant Association show held in Chicago. Really, every one of my conversations seemed to come back around to uh, off-premises, the rise in off-premises dining, and specifically third-party delivery. Everybody is looking for uh, new technology to help their business, and and the conversation um, keeps coming back to third-party and how this can benefit the business, but how you can make it work for your business without losing too much of that profitability. And uh, that is no different than with today's um, conversation with Charles Watson, the CEO of Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Uh, Charles has been the CEO now for just about six months. He was uh, promoted to the job on an interim basis last year, but was named permanent CEO back in January. Uh, And his job as as a CEO of a company that is 99% franchised is to help his franchisees, as he says, find optionality when it comes to technology, to to have options at their disposal for choosing the right solutions. Um, now, Charles is, uh, and to some degree, he, he has sort of an unfair advantage. He came into a company that um, had just recently crossed 700 locations nationwide, um, has a lot of momentum, um, and uh, is really occupying a popular space. I mean, this is um, the smoothie space after all. And, uh, you know, with juice brands, acai bowls, smoothie these, these these things continuing to be very popular. Tropical Smoothie Cafe has carved its own niche. It's been a, a, around for over 20 years and has been able to uh, plant some roots, I think, in communities across America, which, um, you know, to, to Charles's advantage, uh, coming into a position like that um, is, is a great spot to be. Of course, he's been with the company now for uh, about 10 years. He was previously the chief development officer and now uh, as CEO is uh, is overseeing continued growth. Um, when he was named CEO, they, they announced that their goals were to hit $1 billion in sales and 1,500 units by 2023, um, and I think they're well on their way to doing that. So I was really excited to talking to Charles at the NRA show last week, um, just about what he was looking for at the show, how he's um, how he's delivering that optionality to his franchisees, as he says, um, and really navigating uh, today's restaurant climate, and then and then also navigating the the future. As he uh, he talks about, you'll hear he 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 gets pretty frank when it comes to what he sees for uh, the restaurant industry in the next two years, and and you know he it's going to be tough. He's he's pretty honest about that, but I think he's also optimistic that uh, Tropical Smoothie is in a good position to to get through what's to come. Uh, remember, go to qsrmagazine.com for all of the news and insights that you want on the QSR and fast casual industries, uh, and also go subscribe to this podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, also, email me, sam at qsrmagazine.com uh, with any thoughts that you have about this podcast. Uh, thanks again for listening, and now I'm rolling into my conversation with Tropical Smoothie Cafe CEO, Charles Watson. All right, sitting down with Charles Watson, the CEO of Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Charles, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Sam. Thanks for having me, my yeah. friend. How is the NRA show treating you? Uh, it is overwhelming, but always good. Always good. Myself and about three or four of our team members are here and uh-huh. uh, working the floor, as they say. Yeah, what do you get out of a show like this? I mean, are you guys looking for new vendors? Are you looking to reconnect with current vendors? Or what is it's, it? It's definitely, um, you know, we're a relationship-driven business, so it's absolutely existing uh, vendors that we that we uh, like to spend time with. But yeah, we're out, we're out scoping what 
what the new equipment is, what the what the new food trends are, et cetera. So sure. it's it's good for both. So about six months on the job on a permanent basis, yep. and you were also doing it on an interim basis, the CEO job. How does that? How does it feel? We were just talking before this about how uh, how lucky you are to kind of come into this brand that is just naturally growing and is in this yep. great position. How do you feel about being the CEO? I'm I'm giddy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, no, I really am. I'm I'm extremely happy to have the opportunity. Very thank, thankful to our franchisees and our board of directors to give me the opportunity, and I'm psyched. And in, in, uh, in layman's parlance, um, yeah. one of the things I told our franchisees at our last conference was this brand is just getting started mm-hmm. because the baseline of growth is there. The pipeline is there. AUV is climbing. Now is the time to make the changes and in the investments we need to ensure the next 10 years. Right? Yeah. And so not everybody has that opportunity if comps are down or, or, or you know, the, the economy is a little shaky mm-hmm. to be able to make the investments now to, to change ahead of, um, you know, something, you know, negative happening. Sure. So you mentioned, you know, those changes and investments you have to make now for the next phase of growth. What, what do you see as being sort of key to what that next phase of growth so is? So I've got a, a, a simple-minded individual. I have okay. two main pillars for Tropical Smoothie. And the, the first one is uh, I'm a hospitality guy. I'm a hotel and restaurant guy. Yeah. And it's hospitality. Mm-hmm. We're in the service business that mm-hmm. never goes away. It doesn't matter how you deliver the product and the different channels that we're now delivering our product in. Uh, the guest experience has to be first. That's number one and always will be in my book. Yeah. Number two, you've heard it all this show, mm. is technology, mm-hmm. right? And for Tropical Smoothie, it's about the investments we need to make to create the foundation mm-hmm. to be able to service that guest uh, the way they want to be serviced. We have to be, our product has to be on the shelf in various different distribution channels. I actually went through this uh, about 15 years ago when I was with Intercontinental Hotels. Sure. Uh, and the hotel space went through the different uh, channel migration with the Expedias and the Travelocities, et cetera. So I see some similarities in that and understanding Mm -hmm. that um, the brand is very, very important. uh, But if you're not on the shelf, the consumer isn't going to buy from you. Yeah. Well, I imagine this must be kind of overwhelming. We were, you know, there's off premises is, is, I feel like it's like the number one conversation among the industry today. Everybody's trying to figure out how do you make third party delivery work best for you? How do you get the best mobile ordering platform, et cetera? Uh, What is your outlook on off premises today? How you guys are sort of, you know, adapting that model and how you think it could set you up for success? So I, I think that it is here to stay. What we don't know is what form it will take and what the profitability picture looks like, um, what consolidation looks like, both on the third party side with ghost kitchens, mm-hmm. with, with mobile. Um, so much going on. So we're in an absolute state of disruption. Mm-hmm. So my job as a leader of our brand is to give us optionality. Mm-hmm. And that optionality it goes back to creating a technological foundation in the restaurants and at our corporate support center to be able to attack um, those different distribution channels however they shake out, right? So that's what I'm primarily focused on. And then obviously, again, same thing with this show that you see is the relationship side. So it's our relationship with Easy Cater and and Grubhub and Uber Eats and all the various folks, Postmates that are out there, understanding and having them hear our our side of the story and how we're having difficulty with it so that hopefully we can work in partnership to ultimately serve the the guest. Yeah. Well, I'm really curious for for Tropical Smoothies' sake, which, you know, this is a brand that has got a big chunk of business in snacks mm-hmm. call it snacks and, and meal replacement with smoothies i mean you do have food too but like how does especially sort of that snack smoothie component of tropical smoothie adapt to off-premises does it have that sort of a, a unique challenge so i would say with our business just to give you some background about 60 percent of our sales is in food mm-hmm. and about 40 percent uh i'm sorry six percent is in smoothies and 40 percent okay. is in food so pretty balanced there which drives obviously our auv and our comp sales mm-hmm. because we have more to you know more to offer in our our business 
the smoothies travel pretty darn well, mm-hmm. quite honestly, when you, when you start looking at a 30-minute delivery time, et cetera. Back to that foundational technology piece of if that order comes in and we have some time stamp associated with it, we can better provide a, a quality smoothie product. Mm-hmm. I would also say we're doing a lot of work on the packaging side with our food. Um, our food does travel w- better than, than, some of us, than some of our competitors, but we got to get the packaging right. And same thing, we got to get the technology right so that we're preparing that order um, hot, uh, and uh, having the ability to get that in its best state possible to that to that end consumer. So I sure. feel good about the products that we have and our ability to service that. The, the French fry debate, right? Yeah, yeah. French fries don't travel, et cetera. So we have those challenges as well. Um, but it also, as we look forward and where we're going, um, I was speaking with Don Fox yesterday at Firehouse Subs, and, and he's you know he's a leader in, in, and has some very defined views. Um, and it's about giving us the optionality to put our best foot forward in this mm-hmm. channel, which may be a limited menu. It may mm-hmm. be just the products that that we can that we can deliver best. And not only that, then you get into the pricing and the profitability side of it. Right. So if we have some more control over that, uh, we'll be able to better service the the end guest at with value. Yeah, there's so many vendors out there when it comes to technology. You know, so many different choices when it comes to third party delivery, and and, and all of that. How much pressure is there to, as a from a franchise perspective, get this right so that your entire franchise system, you know, can keep that on that, keep everybody consistent and on that same level? I mean, you you have to make sure. I guess it just feels like a lot of plates in the air. You know, it is a lot of plates in the air. Absolutely, I'm a, I'm, I'm trying to be a good juggler. Um, <laughs> I would say that there is a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. but there is also a lot of hesitancy from a franchise. We're 99.99 percent franchise, so mm-hmm. my job is to support franchisees. Their job is to serve the end end customer. So. We've taken the stance that we're not getting married yet. Mm. We're gonna we're gonna date. We're gonna date everybody, <laughs> um, and we're in forty four different states. So um, though some of the the big players are, are nationwide, when you're in a secondary or tertiary market, there may be smaller players that are playing there. We don't want to cut off our nose to spot our face and say we're not going to use. XYZ delivery company because it may work great in Peoria, Illinois. Right. Um, and so we, we've taken the stance that we, we want to work with everybody that it makes sense for and that our franchisees want to work with. My job is from a technological perspective is to make that easy. At mm. the end of the day, our franchisees got in this business, number one, um, as, as a, uh, to live the American dream, mm. right? To, to make some money, to be their own boss, uh, all of that. But very closely behind that is I want to serve food and smoothies Mm. and I want to serve the customer. I want to put smiles on people's face as well. When I'm dealing with my point of sale system and 72 iPads and, you know, all the, all the technical side of things, restaurants, especially in our space that are highly franchised, have to move to an enterprise technology model. Very different in our space, right? Mm -hmm. 30 years ago, go to, go to NCR, go to Micros, get, get it, get an electronic cash register, buy it, put it in (laughs) and start selling product and, and fax what you owe us from a royalty perspective. Totally, totally different ball game now. And we have to take on the lion's share and, and the brunt of the investment need to make it easy for franchisees to run the core business and not be IT majors, so mm, to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. What, what do you think has led to so much of Tropical Smoothies' growth recently? Because it's really the last couple of years has been sure. just an incredible amount of growth in, in franchising. And I, what is it that resonates about this brand? I think I think certainly right place, right time mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, our, our, uh, our motto is eat better, feel better, right? So we want to be an approachable, healthier option uh, for the for the average American, right? Um, so I think that's um, 
very attractive to our consumer base, which then makes business ownership, uh, you know, interesting. Uh, if I think that and the unit level economics that we produce, our business mix, as I talked about, sixty percent smoothies, forty percent food, um, allows for servicing all day parts. Right, so we're not we're, we're a lunch heavy brand for sure, but we do breakfast and, and afternoon snack time and dinner. So you've got more optionality as a, as a business owner. So right place, right time, good unit level economics. Um, I think our product development and the directions that we go. Um, push the limits a little bit in our space. We put those um, those healthier nods and some some fun stuff out there from a culinary perspective um, that I think gets people's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thirdly, I would say at the end of the day, uh, I'm a franchisor and my job is to serve franchisees. Mm-hmm. And I think we, that is in our core when we talk about our core values, um, solid relationships, creative spirit, play to win. Um, those are things that really resonate with business owners that we are truly in partnership. Yeah. We do not have a business without franchisees. So You've heard that a million times. That's what we live and breathe every day, and I think that's a big part of our success as well. Sure. And you guys have uh, a, a very embedded culture, too. I mean, um, the Camp Sunshine uh, yep. uh, work that you guys have done has really been incredible. Recently recognized by the uh, Restaurant Neighbor yep. Award for it. That was a huge, uh, huge honor. It was very much appreciated. Right? Yeah. How, mu- how do you lean into that culture and continue to invest in that. Absolutely. So continuing to work with Camp Sunshine. So we've raised about $6.3 million over the last 12 years, uh, and our goal this year is $1.2 million. So again, just getting started. I I had the opportunity last summer to go up there and our checks are now building buildings, <laughs> right? Cool. So I got to cut the ribbon at a That's building. Cool. That's major impact. Yeah. Um, there are many, there are thousands and thousands of great charities. This is one that fit really well with us. We really like to be able to make that big impact and our franchisees uh, have really gotten on board with it. Um, leaning into it is really understanding and, and helping Camp Sunshine drive the message through our, through our business units. Um, what their core values and missions are, mission is, and, and how well aligned that is for us. So the the lean in aspect is to understand that tropical smoothie. Yes, we're our franchisees are in business to make money and to live the American dream, but like everything else these days, it's got to be more than that. There's right. got to be a, a higher calling. And I think Camp Sunshine encapsulates that for our brand mm-hmm. um, and, and fits well with both our consumers and our franchisees. So it's, and it's super fun. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You, you hear from franchisees, obviously, all the time. I'm sure you're, you're, you're constantly listening to them. What are they telling you right now is like their biggest challenge? What's keeping them up at night that you're trying to solve for? So uh, two things, uh, technology, which we've talked about, um, and then ultimately labor, mm-hmm. right? And, and the cost of labor with low unemployment and the $15 an hour minimum wage, et cetera. Our franchisees are scared. I'm, I'm going to just put it right out there and say that. Does this business model continue to work? It does, and, and there's actions that we'll take. Um, I hear a lot, you know, whether it's in the, the press or the Wall Street Journal, et cetera, about uh, it's a non-inflationary environment. Well, I believe restaurants are a bellwether of that, right? And so as as wages continue to come on and the pace of technology in our space, whether it's POS or equipment or robotics and automation that we need in order to uh, make those P&Ls work, isn't fully here. So we've got the headwinds hitting us at one time without the tailwinds coming to help us with technology and robotics. So um, it's a perfect storm, you know, for the next 24, 36 months. Um, and I, I had this question earlier, and I do think we get kicked in the teeth a little bit for the next 24 months. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm open about saying that we're doing a lot of things on the back end to in, ensure franchisee profitability. If they're not making money, if franchisees aren't making money, the whole thing implodes. And so that has to be our number one thing that we're focused on. And I think we do a pretty good job of that. Mm-hmm. But we certainly have challenges. Um, one of the things I think about labor is is it's not like this is the first time that, that wages have increased on restaurants. It, you know, it could be 1990 
1997 again, right? It's, yeah. it's a similar thing. So we will get through it. Um, but it's what are the things on the back end that allow the franchisee to, to effectively and efficiently operate their business? And we, we got to find those quick. You talk about getting kicked in the teeth in the next couple of years. I'm wondering, how do you balance knowing you're going to get kicked in the teeth a little bit with continuing to drive franchise expansion? I mean, how can you, how can, what, what do you tell potential, you know, prospective franchisees when you, you also mm-hmm. know the next two years will be tough? Yeah. And, and I think if you look at the average time span it takes from, from buying a franchise to opening a franchise, it's somewhere between 12 and 14 months. So there is a, there is a little time in there. Um, and one of the things we talk about is um, we have a much expanded real estate team. So real estate is a fixed cost for franchisees. Um, we spend a lot of time to make sure that the deal is right um, because that's a huge overhead and, and fixed cost. At the same time, I say, gosh, we're up 50% in comp sales in the past seven years. Um, If you're going to bet on anybody, we're a good one to bet on uh, to the things I said earlier about Mm -hmm. being right place, right time and our menu innovation and our um, really connecting with, with our guests. Um, It's still viable. These are things that we're, that we're going to get through, et cetera. Um, And, like everything else, technology will will come about and is in process right now to get us where we need to be. Um, and I've got enough tricks up my sleeve to help to help <laughs> franchisees uh, along the way to get sure. over that hump. You guys have been around a while now, and ninety seven we precluded the sort of health movement. Yeah, you know, and I find that really interesting because we are seeing a lot of other. Um, you know, juice, smoothie, bowl, and, mm-hmm. all, and all these kinds of brands kind of come up. Um, but you guys have been doing that for, for even longer than, than the trend was here. But now the, you know, the conversation is really turning toward plant forward. Uh, people are talking about not just, you know, nutrition and health, but also just how you make this a regular part of the American diet. How do you look at that as being sort of one of the, the strengths of Tropical Smoothie to, to fit into this American trend, well, trend, but also really movement and, and sure. evolution of the American diet? We say bring it on. <laughs> we're, we're ready to go. And, you know, I, I started a Tropical Smoothie in 2010, and, and part of our, our thinking was scale. We need scale, uh, scale and distribution, et cetera. Um, I was at an awards uh, dinner last night, and there were a lot of the brands that you're talking about, whether mm-hmm. it's other smoothie brands, acai bowls, um, the, the health forward folks. That's great. I love it. As, a, um, as just a human, I'm, I'm happy for Americans to um, start eating a little bit healthier and understanding what healthy is for them. Um, is it calories? Is it gluten-free? Is it whatever? So there's all these things out there to think through. Um, and, and we want to take... Uh, we want to take a more defined stance, um, but we also have a core belief that it has to taste good mm-hmm. at the end of the day, right? So we want to provide on our menu optionality. We're actually uh, doing a brand study right now uh, with a firm called Interbrand to really hone in even more on our consumers. And it's a big investment um, by our board of directors um, that they've approved for us to really understand that so that we can move the needle in the way that most speaks to our guests, right? And so that's that's ultimately what we're trying to do. And we want to be part of the movement. We have scale, um, but at the same time, it has to be profitable for franchisees. Sure. So there's some things that, that can be done um, and some things that we're not quite there yet from a distribution perspective. Going yeah. farm to table at a, at a thousand locations is, is much more difficult than it is at three or four in one particular DMA. So yeah. trying to balance trying to balance those things and, and still provide a, a healthier quality product for our, for our uh, consumers. Well, it's interesting, too, because it comes back to sort of what is the customer expectation mm-hmm. of the Tropical Smoothie brand, because would they really even expect you to go farm to table? I mean, you know, I get, you're, you're sort of responding to what they want of the brand and, and also what is right for the franchisee. Is that 
Is that hard? I mean, is it is it is it tricky to sort of navigate the the, the divide between them? It it, it certainly is. Um, and and my basic thinking is that we want to we want to move along that continuum. So if you think of of tropical smoothies, consumer base is sort of a bell curve, and let's call it the Pilates the vegan Pilates instructor on the far right and uh, the uh, QSR user four or five days a week, right at an under ten dollar check average. I think we live somewhere in the middle of those two things. So that's why that brand study will help us understand. You know, I don't see us moving left. I see us moving right. But how much? How much and how fast is the decision uh, that we as a brand have to make? And our franchisees will be involved in that discussion as well. Um, so it's, it's extremely interesting times. But I think we're well poised, again, with scale to be able to do that and to be able to do it well, whether it's, uh, you know, it, it's clean label, et cetera. Um, we, we already have work going against all those things. And, and quite honestly, not, not to be boastful, but I think at our scale, if we want to add different product lines, we can do that a lot easier because we're now getting into the scale side. So if we right. wanted to add bowls or, or juicing, et cetera, it's, it's less difficult for us. But just adding stuff is not the way to go. Right, adding right. the things that our guests want is what we need to do. So a lot of time and research and effort going into that as we speak. Do consumer trends scare you? I mean, it just feels like they, they change so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, you think of something like, well, let's say poke, you know, mm-hmm. a couple years ago suddenly becomes this big thing and it swoops in as the next big thing. But, you know, you also start to see then it, it pulls back. And people, so consumers move on to the next big thing, I guess. For what you guys are doing, it strikes me that there must be certain ingredients or flavors or whatever that might pop one year and then disappear the next. Is it hard to figure that out, how to, how to ride the wave of the consumer trend without investing too much into something? So, so I would say we, uh, we are not a, we don't like to be on the bleeding edge. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll be on the cutting edge. And the way that we're set up, our, our, our core smoothie and food items are core for a reason because they're, they're, they're purchased a lot and our consumers really, really like them. We have an LTO program, right? And so that allows us to move and push the needle and, and test the water, so to speak. Um, we also have put in, in the past 12 months, a much more robust product development process to allow for more robust testing. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, um, there, there's, you know, there's, 20 restaurant companies that are at scale that have all the bells and whistles that they need. We're continuing to evolve those. And the product development side is a, is a piece that we've invested heavily in. And so I think our LTOs allow us to really try and, and push the push the needle out there. We've done a beet smoothie before. Um, what an incredible seller, but it certainly puts out, hey, this Tropical Smoothie Cafe is a place that I can go to get something a little bit out there. And I've got four or five different products in the in the pipeline right now that say the same thing wow, these guys can do beets, they can do dragon fruit, they can do all these different things. So it's a timing issue. Um, and quite honestly, yeah, I like to see trends uh, go for uh, you know, 18 to 24 months before I, I start thinking. They may be in our pipeline, mm-hmm. but we're focused on the timing of when that adoption takes place, right? And, and I think the greatest example for Tropical Smoothie really is, you know, one of our, I think our number two selling smoothie at this time, our Island Green, which is spinach and kale and pineapple, mango and banana. We hit the timing on that perfectly in terms of the the consumer adoption um, bell curve, we got to get it. We got to get that right for our brand. There's other brands that can be farther out on that. For us, it has to be right before mainstream is about when we need to hit sure. it. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Last question for you, Charles. And you, you were mentioning earlier about sort of looking ahead at the next 10 years and, and, and you know, prepping the company for further growth and, and investing and, and the changes you have to make. 
What do you foresee for those 10 years? Where do you see this industry going? And I, sort of the broader, you know, fast casual and, and QSR industry as well and how tropical smoothies role in that will be. So uh, great question. And, and I think it's ultimately kind of back to my premise that we have to be prepared for anything, right? If you're, if you're getting ready to play another team in basketball or football, you're, you're, you're watching tape and you're seeing what mm-hmm. happened. I think, I think history is interesting to look at here as well. Um, we have some unprecedented sort of technology times, but We've, we've been through more minor disruptions in the past. Yeah. And so studying history, but also going forward and saying, you know what? We want to maintain optionality. We want to maintain the ability to, um, to operate our businesses, uh, whatever that environment looks like. And so that's ultimately, we have to pick the ones that, that we're going to invest in to be there. Digital, um, third party, et cetera. Yeah, it, it isn't going away. I can't tell you exactly what form it is, um, but we have to be able to do that efficiently and effectively. And so that's where a majority of our focus is. But sure. it, it isn't going away. Convenience is never going away. Value is never going away. So I try to stick to the core tenets of what consumers want yeah. to to keep in my head at all times as we look at the, the next biggest and brightest thing, whether that's a food trend or whether that's a technology trend, um, and try to weigh those uh, and, and feather those in as I see them getting to getting to scale. Sure. That's great. Well, Charles, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it.